Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets. What's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. I'm at the Gold and Silver Summit in London. I'm sitting on a sofa and sitting next to me on the sofa is Ned Naylor Leyland, who is a fund manager and partner with Cheviot Asset Management. Ned, you gave an excellent presentation this morning. It was a pleasure to hear you talk. Welcome finally to this show. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Dominic. Um, let's uh, let's talk about um, something we were just talking about before this interview began, which is it, it's a kind of an indicator of where we are in this gold and silver bull market. How much institutional money is in gold and silver at the moment? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question, Dominic. Um, something which I've been making a lot of noise about all year is the fact that we really haven't seen any inflows at all in 2011, um, or at least not in any uh, size in terms of reallocation of what is already existing within the asset management space. And um, I think it's a source of, of some amazement to um, us gold bugs that the large institutional fund managers haven't um, looked at what they're doing in an aggressive way and said, surely a reallocation up to 0.4% of our equity uh, pot into the sector would be a good idea. I think that probably... Can I, can I just clarify? Are we, talking, are we talking about gold and silver or gold and silver equities or both? Well, I think I, the last point I made was actually inferring the, 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 the equity side of things because I believe that um, that is where a lot of the growth will come from in due course. Once the, the institutional equity fund managers recognise the opportunity, the value on offer in the gold stocks, and also what with the rising dividend profile that we've seen start to emerge on the back of Newmont's announcement at the Denver Gold Forum um, a month ago, I think that will change people's opinion. I was talking to someone earlier who, who was um, trying to get his head around why gold stocks could capture that, that, that demand. And I think that it's interesting that now that the, one of the major um, gold producer indices is yielding over 1%, I think it's 1.1% overall, which beats the five-year the yield on a five-year treasury. Now, clearly, you're not comparing like we'd like. You know, one's a debt instrument, the other's n- not. But I think it is interesting that, that as the dividend profile grows, the, um, the incentive to own the big cap stocks, which have a yield, grows considerably. But we're not there yet. I mean, I, I can tell you from my pos- um, position at Chevia that... You know, clients are driving a little bit of gold investing and silver investing at the moment. You know, they, at the margin, they come to you with some interest and, and want to get involved. But I would say, actually, that, that asset managers overall are probably even more adamant about not investing now than they were at the beginning of the year. I think it's some, a sort of function of it going up. They become even more entrenched in their view, um, which leads us to a point at which something has to give. And I think it will probably will be some kind of macroeconomic event will lead that money to start to come in in size but I think it requires an intellectual capitulation on part of asset managers and I think that's a very difficult thing for them to you know, cope with being uh, rich of ego In 2011 it was the right decision not to buy gold stocks they're down, even though gold is up 20 odd percent, gold stocks are down 20, 20 odd percent and there's a 40 percent differentiation there um, 
Now, at a certain point, gold companies have to make have to get themselves to a stage where their story and the, or their numbers are too compelling not to invest in. In other words, they need to make more money. They need to pay better dividends. They need better PE ratios and so on. Now, you'd think that most gold companies would have got to this stage now that gold's at $1,700 and silver's at $35, but they haven't. Now, does some... I mean, I know they've been affected by higher energy costs in some places, but are these badly run companies, are, are, gold, are gold mining CEOs stupid? No, 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 no. I'd say there are a couple of reasons for it. I think that, that before, the reason people buy gold stocks is for the, is for the gearing. You know, you, you buy them because they'll give you a better return than the, yeah. the physical, or at least that's the, the argument. Now, what I would say is that if you look at that as, a, as the froth on, a, on the top of a beer, you know, people have always wanted the froth. They didn't want to be interested in the beer. You might as well have the froth for the extra gearing. But now they see the froth as risk. They just see the, all the component parts of an equity as bringing in different layers of risk. So rather than seeing it as reward, they now see it as risk. So, you know, whether it's geopolitics or, you know, input costs, etc., like you, like you say, um, I think that that's a very, very important um, reason for them to... Uh, to hold off and, and, and buy. But I also think that the, the ETF space, you know, so much money has been diverted there, which could have gone elsewhere, has been a, a, a drag, although not so much um, perhaps this year. But there are lots of reasons why gold stocks, you know, have underperformed. General equity market malaise, you know, it's, it's a difficult pitch. People don't want to be invested in equities at the moment, Dominic. They, you know, they like the... Um, cash instruments or, or pseudo cash instruments which they see the ETFs as being so I think it's um, a difficult environment Let's talk about this new China gold exchange now you see that as incredibly exciting That's right, I think that this is the biggest change we've had for all the time that you and I have looked at the sector which is 10 years um, and like all good things it's come left field as opposed to being something very visible that we've sort of watched track towards us um, Price discovery in, in gold and silver has been, let's say, um, interesting for a long time, uh, dominated by the bullion banks who are more interested in the issuance of their paper than they are in the price of our, of our metal. Um, and they've dominated the, the, the spot gold market. They also control the futures market as um, made manifest through the investigation into silver at the moment and what we know to, to take place there. But the spot market is, is where the market is in size. That's where your hedge funds who want to buy $50, billion, or sorry, 50, billion, $50 million worth of, of gold, they'll turn up with $50 million in, in dollars. And uh, they do a transaction with a bullion bank and they take receipt of a piece of paper saying that they're a holder of unallocated gold within the LBMA system. And effectively, they are the unsecured creditor of that bullion bank with, with whom they've made the transaction. And, and what's interesting is people have become very used to this. And kind of accept it, um, even though we all know that's not right. But the reason why we've accepted it is because there's been no ability to challenge it. And what's so exciting about the new exchange in China is it is a spot market, like the LVMA system. So it's a, a market where you have to pay in full for your metal. But what's great about the new exchange is it's going to be denominated in, in RMB. So it's a way of accessing the Chinese currency in size. Uh, they're 90-day receipts, um, and, you, and you receive title to fully allocated gold. Um, now, that is very, very different to getting a piece of paper giving you unsecured creditor status against a, a pool, which Jeffrey Christian told us was 100 to 1, and I think recently said it was 
400 to 1 or something. I can't. He came out with some other comment at the Silver Summit the other day saying that actually it's even more than 100 to 1. Well, good for him. And if, if people are comfortable with that, then, then that's fine. But I know for a fact that there are a lot of people that are within the LBMA system who are desperate for the new exchange to open so they can move across. Because given, as I say, you may not trust the Chinese, you may say, oh, the Chinese, you know, what are they going to do? Well, all I can say is what we have at the moment is not good enough. So if you are offered something that is manifestly better, you are going to move. And I think it's, it's actually potentially, and I don't think it's, a, by the way, I don't think it's a concerted attack, but I think it sort of works, almost attack on the entire hegemony of the Western banking system because the fact that they custody the gold underlying the system is a crucial component of the way the yeah. world's banking system works. And should that be challenged, which it will be, then I think that that could be very, very telling and important. And as, as such, I'm, I'm keeping a very close eye on, on the developments here and I'm also trying to help those people who want to plug into the new exchange do that. Can we trust the Chinese banks? Well, I think that if you have, um, if you have title to a specific bar and after 90 days you can take delivery of that bar, I think it would be fairly clear quite quickly if people are trying to do this and it's not working. You know, it's not really a situation where you can kind of fudge it. You either can do it or you can't do it. So I think it will be fairly clear straight away whether it works. But let's be clear about something. You do not need to take your bar of gold to Beijing. It doesn't work like that. You know, the way it works is simply it enters their system through their banks over here in the West. So, you know, if your gold is custodied with HSBC and friends, etc., all you have to do is deposit it to the Bank of China in the same uh, city where you have it currently custodied. It falls within their system and off you go. So it's not so much a question of trusting the Chinese, in my opinion, as, as so much as trusting the ability for them to create a functioning exchange. I mean, you know, if they can't do it, well, that's a different issue. I mean, look, you know, we are making a bit of a jump and a, and a leap and assumption that they're not going to have terrible problems in functionally doing it. But presuming they, they can, though, I believe they're doing it in order to release their currency. The gold component is a secondary component, hence why they were unaware, really, of the implications of doing this. Is I think they would really, it's more about how do we release Renimbi in a controlled fashion so that demand doesn't overwhelm it, uh, the exchange rate. And that's what's so wonderful about this as a methodology, is you, you use allocated gold to access uh, Renimbi. Let me ask you another question. Um, I have various long-term targets for gold that I'm looking for, a, a doubt-to-gold ratio of 1 to 1 or 2 to 1. I look at the ratio of UK house prices to the gold price. Uh, I'm looking for an atmosphere of positive real rates rather than negative real rates. I'm looking for some fiscal sanity uh, returning to government. I'm looking at the possibility of the US paying off uh, a large amount of its debt with its gold. These are all long-term targets for gold. What are your long-term targets for silver what, at what point will you start selling <laughs> uh, yes well um the answer to the question relates to the same answer about gold which is which is uh, at the point at which i feel that there is a sane and 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 um acceptable new framework for a global currency system then i will consider reallocating dominic um outright selling well, you know, I'm sure maybe there does come a point where one says out completely, but it, my goodness, it would have to look different than it does today. I mean, you know, the idea of quitting on something which has, you know, multiple thousands of years of history as a store of value and as money uh, versus what's going on, um, I wouldn't look at target. I don't, I don't, I never make 
price projections. You know, the only one I would even consider is the one that looks a bit like an eight, but isn't an eight. Um, so that would be the one that I would look at. But in truth, you know, I believe, I, you know, I strongly, ha- I have strong conviction that the new monetary system, once we clean the Aegean stable to get rid of the crooks and whatnot in charge, will be backed. Therefore, there will come a point at which gold and silver will have a proper price. At that point, clearly, you don't want to be 100 percent in gold and silver because you're, it's going to be a waste of your time. But but until we get that reform at the level of the monetary system, I have no interest whatsoever in, in, in even reducing, let alone selling. Very interesting. Well, uh, you, do you, and you think some kind of reform, restructuring, collapse, possibly first, is inevitable? I believe that this is hand in hand with the, you know, using bright language here, the, the, the criminality that is going on. Therefore, I think to ignore that, you know, I just think that the two things go hand in hand. So either we're going to end up rolling the system we have forwards into some ghastly new world order nightmare, which I refuse to accept is where we're going, or we will find that the creditor nations who are rampant gold bugs will, as history suggests on a cyclical basis, reform the monetary system to have some form of discipline. And I've said recently that I believe we have the opportunity for the most incredible future if we can combine the merits of gold and silver as money with the wonderful opportunity that technology and globalization offers. The two things together should be spectacular. We could have the most incredibly productive and wonderful system, but it requires a severe culling of... um, the power elite that control the monetary system, for want of a better phrase. Little stat for you to close the show with, Ned. Did you know that in 1980, when silver went to $50 an ounce, you could buy the average UK house for less than 10,000 ounces of silver? That would be £20,000 or $35,000 today. Well, um, I think it was actually closer to 5000 at one stage. Yes. Well, um, you know, I think we all... Um, look at property as gold bugs with a particular view uh, i.e. a lot of us aren't in because we don't like the idea of being stuffed into an illiquid investment which is up to the gunners in the global debt pyramid but let's hope that we can all buy um, lots of properties with our gold and silver in due course let's hope that we can return to our rightful homes in Chelsea that's right exactly Ned Naylor Leyland it's been a real pleasure talking to you do you have a website that you'd like to plug? Um, actually I would like to plug one thing Dominic which is I've done a very poor job of this before now, and you, you came and, and spoke. The conference that I put on in January of this year is hosted, all eight hours of it, in, in high-definition, all-singing and dancing videos on our website, which is cheviot.co.uk, which is C-H-E-V-I-O-T. Please do go and watch these videos. They're very educational. It's all there for free. It's, it's hosted by um, our company, and, and I've done a poor job of getting the message out, so please do propagate that information and go and have a look at the videos. Okay, in particular, I'd like to highlight an excellent talk that day, why gold is the currency of the free. Uh, no comment. <laughs> All right, um, and are you going to do the, the Chibi at Sound Money Conference next year? I hope so. We'd probably do it in a slightly different format, but yes, I hope so. Excellent. Ned Naylor Leyland, thank you very much. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com.
To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 